Well, I just quickly uh, want to go through those words that we read this morning. First Sunday after Easter as we gather here, when the events of Easter week are still fresh in our minds, we've got the cross, the tomb, and we've seen this week, because of the sunshine, new life, the creation comes to life. But actually, even with all this joy, this Sunday is actually known as Low Sunday, probably because for us it's the end of, of all the preparations for Easter and all the excitement of that. It, it brings the, the Easter period, if you like, to a close. And, and actually, I've found this week a bit low, and I don't know about yourself, but see, I've got to the end of this book, and I'm not very... Good at, at making sure I, I, I read every day, read the Bible. I aim to. I never do it at the same time, I might confess. But I've been wanting to get back to this every day. I think it's a wonderful book. On a Monday morning, we've used it to focus our prayer time, and we've been greatly uplifted by it. And now it's over. Well, that is for some of us, because I know a number of people are going through it again um, to see what else they can get from it. But... Uh, I think it's been a great thing to bring us together. But, well, I hadn't got it to read this week. Well, I had, but uh, I'd finished going through it. Well, the passage in John's Gospel describes the first two Sundays in the life of the church. The first being the evening of Easter Day, where we see the appearance of the resurrected Jesus to the assembled disciples. And the second, a week later, when Jesus appears again in exactly the same way, in the same place, and this time speaks specifically to Thomas. At the first gathering, we sense, well, there was a bit of fear amongst the disciples, even though it doesn't actually say what they were afraid of. Perhaps they were afraid of the Jews because they may have suspected them of stealing the body and making the whole thing up. Maybe they were afraid people would accuse them of leading some kind of insurgency movement. And you could imagine that, well, that could easily happen. But in the midst of all this, Jesus just appears. And he speaks. Are we always ready for Jesus to just appear? Or do we expect everything just to be the same? The disciples were there, it was all over, they were worried. And Jesus just appeared. Notice he's not checking what they were up to, not asking why they were shut away and doing nothing, but calming their fears with the words, peace be with you. And not once does he say that, but twice. And he identifies himself at this point with the Father, as the Father has sent me, he says. And he told the disciples by whose authority he did his work. And then he passes to the disciples bit like the broken egg, he passes to his disciples the job for them to do. The job of spreading the gospel of salvation around the world. And that gets passed to us. And we need to realise that because of what we read here, we have authority to do that. Whose authority? Authority of the Father. He gives them their spirit-powered and spirit-guided mission to preach good news 
about Jesus and about sins forgiven. There's so much in these short verses, but then we're not actually told here anything about the week between the first appearance and the second. Well, with the, Tom, the story of Thomas, and indeed with the whole of chapter 20 of John's Gospel, what John sets out to tell us in his Gospel from the opening lines to this point have now been completed. Bishop Tom Wright summed it up like this. The story has taken its time working this way and that. We've met many interesting characters and watched them interact with Jesus. Some have misunderstood him. Some have been downright hostile. Some, often to their own surprise, have come to believe in him. Well, we now have another such character to add to John's vivid collection. He being Thomas. Brings the book round to where we started with a breathtaking statement of new found faith. So what does he exclaim? My Lord and my Master. Oh, actually, those words are used elsewhere when people talk about Jesus, but in this case, that's not what he said. He says, my Lord and my God. Thomas is the first person to look at Jesus and address the word God directly to him. Yes, this is what John has been working round through, through the Gospel. Go right back to that first verse in, ch in chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he's gone right round through the whole of the Gospel and comes back to this point. Jesus, my Lord, and my God. Well, John goes off and does, gives us lots of information through Galilee, Jerusalem, back and forth, moments of glory, doom, woven together, until we meet here at the cross in the chapter before, or the earlier parts of this chapter. Looks a bit like a muddled gospel, but actually it's all there. It takes us from in the beginning was the word and the word was God to my Lord and my God. It's also utterly baffling to Thomas, as it would be to us. What sort of person walks through a locked door? And the whole point of the story is that it's the same Jesus that comes in. Marks of nails on, in his hands, a wound in his side, deep enough to get your hand into. This is no ghost, no actor pretending to be Jesus. It's him. And yet he comes and goes as though he belongs to both our world and a different world. Thomas's story is how belief for him is going to be confirmed, first by touching... Then by seeing, and actually, well, actually then by neither touching or seeing. In other words, John is trying to create a sort of chain from us and for those who were present and saw Jesus to us who will have to believe without seeing him.
But we need to realise that Thomas's theme appears in the midst of an even greater theme, that of the giving of the Spirit and forgiveness of sins. Jesus' first words to his disciples on the same day as his resurrection are, Peace be with you. Now John's dealing with a tangible problem. How to convince people to believe people who weren't present when the first at the crucifixion or the first appearance of the disciples. And so we have Thomas, much aligned over the centuries, known as Doubting Thomas. But we're all a bit like this, aren't we? We're all a bit like this. We want somebody to actually say, yeah, this is such and such. Somebody comes and tells us something, well, I'm not sure I believe that, until you show me. The words that Thomas speaks are very detailed and precise. You see, he won't... You see, he's the one who won't easily be carried away by appearances. He's a sceptic. And the one who only believes the testimony of his senses. He's literally what Thomas says, unless I see the hands, unless I see on his hands the very mark of the nails and put my finger right into the very mark of the nails and put my hand right into his very side, I will never believe. This is one of the things that we most remember about Thomas, but just one point to know, Thomas hasn't dreamt up these words. You see, Jesus appears to have already made that point, showing his hands and his side to the other disciples a week earlier. So they probably said to him, oh, Jesus was here and he told us about this, his nail, uh, the, the nail prints in his hands. So he was just saying, well, I want to see what you've seen. Thomas is a man of questions. We realise as we look back through that on a number of occasions he asked questions and in John 14 when Jesus is talking about he is the way to the Father and he, he says I am the way, you know the very place where I'm going. Thomas said Lord we don't know where you're going so how can we know the way? Wanted clarification. So when Jesus came back on the next Sunday, and some scholars think these passages here were among the first statements of the early Christian community and the importance of meeting on a Sunday as a kind of Christian Sabbath. But Thomas was present, and Jesus mimics Thomas' words, but accommodates his and our weakness by agreeing to this unusual request. Remember, he wouldn't let Mary Magdalene go too near him or to touch him at the tomb. But what is significant is Thomas's response, my Lord and my God. And he did that apparently without needing to plunge his hands into Jesus' side. Well, of course, there's nothing wrong with being a doubter as long as we don't let it take control of our lives. And again... Alpha's been mentioned this morning and there will be those who come there who doubt. We all need to question and sometimes we doubt. But then we need to find out. And Thomas 
wanted to find out, wanted to know what was true. The message of this Easter Sunday is we believe without seeing. And it's, indeed, that's not for us. That's for everyone. And we need to take the message out because people will not see. They will hear. And then we could say that they will see in their minds. But we need to take the message out. Well, this is the message of this Easter Sunday, this Sunday of Easter, not Easter Day, the Easter Sunday. Jesus appeared to the disciples with the words, peace be with you. And he was ready to go, if you like, the second mile and come back the next week because Thomas doubted. And that's the Jesus that we come to meet with this morning. He's prepared to go the second mile for you and me. So our questions will be answered if we come before him. And yes, we show our doubt and our concerns. But we're ready to hear what he says to us as we go out into the world. It's very easy with a chapter like this that we get to this point and we finish the story of this chapter. I think sometimes we're in danger of doing that with lots of chapters in the Bible that we, we see the story we want to pick up and, and that's it. But you see, we mustn't stop at verse 29 or 28 actually. Thomas said to him, the Lord, my Lord and my God. Because you see, the last two verses of this chapter are very important. Verses 30 and 31. John tells us, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these, the bits that are recorded, are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's what John's Gospel is written for. That's why the bits that are in there are important. And the bits that weren't put in there, we read here. They weren't important for us to know about Jesus. So I pray as we go on from the Easter period, if you like, as we start walking towards Pentecost and get excited about the coming of the Spirit, Let's ask Jesus the questions and he will answer our doubts. Amen.